put our law enforcement agency up against anyone. I think that we have some of the best officers in the state and in the nation. There's no perfect organization, um, but when you start talking about, well, yeah, you got a great police department, but your facilities are subpar, I was like, yeah, you're right, they are, but no longer. This will be the best facilities, in my opinion, in the state of Arkansas when it comes to police departments. That was Police Chief Mike Reynolds speaking about the police department's new $37 million headquarters. I'm Greg Harton, your host for Speaking of Arkansas, and today we are speaking of Fayetteville, where a new headquarters has been under construction since 2021. 71% of Fayetteville voters back in 2019 approved this project, which is at Dean Street and Porter Road. Some of you who have driven by there probably have noticed that a portion of Porter Road in front of the new headquarters was renamed to memorialize Stephen Carr, an officer who died in the line of duty back in 2019. Carr was shot while he was in a patrol unit parked behind the current police department on Rock Street downtown. His death contributed to a sense of urgency that law enforcement needed a secure headquarters and one that would operate more efficiently than the existing building. But police officials have said for years they needed new facilities. Reynolds started his career 30 years ago as a new officer in Fayetteville. He recalled what it was like back then. I have a lot of experience at that uh, current facility. Uh, as you mentioned, I've been with the police department nearly 30 years. I was uh, hired in July of 1993. Um, that was the, uh, the year and the month that we moved into uh, our current facility, which... Uh, uh, you know, lack of a better terms, is the old retrofitted J.C. Penney building. Um, and so, you know, we were 70 sworn officers uh, back in 1993. We've grown to uh, currently budgeted at 154 officers. Uh, at that particular time in uh, July of 1993, uh, that facility uh, was not big enough. It didn't have enough capacity uh, for our current officers. Chief Reynolds then recalled what it was like on his first day. Uh, I walked into that facility. I was, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier today, I was really happy to, to have my first real job as an adult. I was making $8 an hour. I thought I was rich. And uh, uh, they gave me uh, all the equipment uh, that, that I needed to be a police officer. And, and I was carrying my equipment, equipment through that facility and walked past the, the men's locker room. Uh, downstairs into the uh, public hallway, and, and there was about uh, eight to ten lockers in that public hallway, and that was where my locker was at for about four or five years before I had enough seniority to finally move into the to men's locker room in a, in a new uh, facility. But as you can tell from the first comment you heard from Chief Reynolds, he's pretty excited about what the new headquarters has to offer. Photographer Andy Shoup and I joined the chief and Deputy Chief Jamie Fields recently on a tour of the new 80,000-square-foot building as construction crews were finishing up. The facility is more than three times the size of what the police department is currently in. My opinion? It's an incredible building. Just because it affords the department a chance to bring all its operations under one roof and have space to function. But there's also a firing range underneath it that's so well insulated officers can sharpen their skills any time of day or night without disturbing anyone outside the range. An expansive dispatch center with natural light and all the technology to monitor officers as they're out in the city doing their jobs. A roomy evidence locker far more secure and organized than anything the agency has today. 
and the campus itself is secure, protecting those who work there and officers preparing to hit the streets. Chief Reynolds talked about the need for security today more than ever. Inherently, being a police officer is certainly a, a dangerous job, and it has been for many, many years. Uh, but over the past, I would say, past decade, um, you know, with some, uh, we've certainly become the focal point, um, the focal point of their violence. Um, and we're certainly not immune to that, as everyone knows. Uh, back in December 7th of 2019, you know, we lost an officer in the back parking lot of our facility. Um, I certainly believe that if that facility was secured, uh, we would not have lost that officer back on, on that particular date and time. Uh, and since that time, we've had several different episodes where individuals have just walked up to our facility uh, and have uh, encountered our officers and uh, also tried to uh, vandalize uh, our vehicles as well. We had an individual a couple of years ago that had a crossbow and shot an arrow into the back of a running police car Thank uh, goodness it was not occupied at that particular time. So uh, a lot of inefficiencies um, associated with, with safety, a lot of inefficiencies associated with space, and then for the community, uh, it's just uh, become unsafe for them as well. Uh, you know, they're uh, coming to our facility, um, they're having to share space with uh, suspects of violent crime. Uh, they also have to share space when they come to our facility with those that are coming to register as sex offenders. And for me, as the police chief, that's just not a very safe environment for our public to be coming to and us being responsible to protect them. We'll get to more about the features of the new facility in a few moments, but I did want to ask Chief Reynolds about the challenges he and the agency navigated as it sought a new building. As I noted, voters approved the project in 2019. In May 2020, some of you may remember, George Floyd was killed by police officers in Minnesota, sparking a nationwide outcry about police brutality. This was precisely when the final plans for the new headquarters were going before the Fayetteville City Council. Some vocal residents urged the City Council to kill the project or even to spend the money on other needs, which couldn't legally be done. A few argued the new building would be a symbol of oppression to black residents because of the serious issues around the nation involving officers and police shootings. Chief Reynolds said it was a difficult time trying to address local needs while the nation responded to police incidents elsewhere. The voters had spoken at 71% and there wasn't anything else that could be done legally at that particular time. And so we just continued to move forward and just continued to educate uh, the public and continued to try to have outreach and let them know that, you know, this is your police department. This is the Fayetteville Police Department. Um, you know, try not to paint us with a broad brush when it comes to the national narrative and policing in this particular time of what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, that, you know, we are, uh, you know, a professional organization and the culture of our police department is not always the same as the culture of other police departments out there. And so I think it was important to just get our message across and uh, certainly I think time heals in certain situations. And so um, I think the, the most important thing at that time was to convince, um, you know, our city council members that, you know, we were going to do the right thing and we were going to be responsible 
in not only how we designed and built this police headquarters building, but how we interacted and how we policed our community. And I think our reputation is what helped us get through that uh, very trying time. So now on to some of the new building's features. We'll talk a bit more about the firing range, which is perhaps the coolest part of the whole building, in a few minutes. But one of the most significant features is the spacious dispatch center. That's where dispatchers communicate with fire, police, and ambulance crews, as well as other critical city services. This is probably one of the most critical pieces of infrastructure that the city has. I mean, you think about it, you know, whatever may happen, whether it's an ice storm, whether it's a natural disaster, uh, or whether it's a man-made disaster, a bombing, school shooting, or something like that, this is the most critical thing that we have uh, for the city, uh, whether it's for our police, our fire, our transportation, our solid waste, whoever it might be. In a lot of law enforcement agencies, dispatch centers appear to be an afterthought. Crowded, dark, but not Fayetteville's new one. The uh, men and women that work in this facility uh, can't leave this facility uh, when they're at work. They can't just go and leave for lunch and come back. So they are contained within this suite for their entire shift. So we wanted to make it to where, once again, you'll see natural light with the big windows uh, on the uh, south and north side of the building that we can raise the shades. They can get some natural light in here. Um, also, we'll see, uh, I'll show you a break room uh, that they have. It's a fully operational kitchen. They have a stove in there. They have a microwave in there. They can cook their meals. They can sit down and eat. And we put a little balcony out to where, <laughs> say they've dealt with uh, some type of um, call that's, uh, you know, very traumatizing. You know, whether it's a officer-involved shooting, whether it's a stabbing, you know, whatever you want to, whatever the call may be, maybe an infant death. Uh, they can go out there on the balcony, they can take a little break, get them a, a, a breath of fresh air, and then we also have a recovery room that I'll show you here in a minute. The recovery room Chief Reynolds mentioned brings up another interesting side note. It shows perhaps how far we've come in thinking about workforce changes since Fayetteville moved into its last quote-unquote new headquarters. The recovery rooms double as lactation rooms required by the Americans with Disabilities Act for female employees who have returned to work after giving birth. The dispatch area is clearly a nerve center of modern technology. When we were there, large TV screens leaned against the wall of a conference room adjacent to the dispatch center. The TVs, as you see, will go up all around the dispatch center. They'll monitor the uh, security cameras, uh, on the facility on site, but we have a few security cameras within the city, uh, parking decks and things like that that they would monitor as well. Also some of our interview rooms on site, they'll have the ability to monitor those to make sure that we haven't you know, inadvertently forgot someone, a suspect, a witness in an interview room. We know that that's happened before, so we, we've had to put some type of failsafe in there to where the, the telecommunicators would do a a regular check on those rooms to make sure they're not occupied so we don't have that mishap happen here. Those TV screens deliver information like never before, protecting officers and giving police supervisors more tools to evaluate what is happening in the community. Currently with um, you know our, our body-worn cameras, we just upgraded our contract. Our Axon is our provider uh, and we just upgraded our contract with them. And the body cameras uh, provide GPS, um, and so they can, whenever the officers are at a location, they can precisely detect where they're at. 
Uh, of course, that's important if they're out on foot. Um, the cars also have GPS, but you know, they get out on our trail system. It makes it a little bit easier to locate where that officer may be. Maybe he or she, we've lost communications with them for whatever reason, and, and it makes it a lot simpler to locate them. So it will show up on these screens plus the screens at their workstations. Um, also, <laughs> our body-worn cameras now have the capability of live view. And so we can pull up live view. So you have an officer that's out on a, let's just say a barricaded suspect, um, and he or she is out there, or school shooting, they're out there on their own. We can pull that up uh, real time live, and the supervisors can, you know, they can determine what kind of resources we need, where we need them at, where we need to set a perimeter up at, you know, and kind of game plan with how to handle a specific critical incident. Beyond that technology, the new headquarters features a room designed for virtual training of officers. Officers have used a system that features a big screen that presents shoot, don't shoot types of training. But Reynolds says newer technology delivers even more training opportunities. Now what you're seeing is virtual reality. And so we just got a grant, $100,000 grant from the state of Arkansas. We applied for $100,000 for our virtual reality program. <clears throat> and so it's headset, it's Oculus type system. Um, I think the one that we're going with that we've looked at, uh, it'll be able to do three officers at a time. So scenario-based training, you can create any scenario you want. It's not just about shoot, don't shoot. It's not just about de-escalation. It can be things like I'm creating a traffic stop. I'm pulling over Andy for speeding and there's no confrontation at all. I'm just going up talking to Andy, hey, I'm Mike Reynolds, Fayetteville Police Department, you were doing 15 over, need to see your driver's license, your insurance, your registration. I go back, I do what I do, write the ticket and go on. It's kind of given the officers that we're hiring the ability to train in here on what our expectations are and what they're gonna get out there before they go out and have that first initial contact with the general public. You can do barroom fights, you can do an intoxicated person, you can do domestic, disturbances, separating, uh, you know, two parties on a domestic, uh, getting the story, making a determination on what you do as far as do I arrest somebody, do I take the report, you know. So the scenarios are unlimited. The interesting thing that we talked about is um, even with the um, officer-involved shootings, but thank goodness we just have a few of them, knock on wood, you know, but we could uh, emulate an officer-involved shooting. So. Let's take the scenario you'll remember a couple of years ago where we went and did a welfare concern. Uh, the, the, the gentleman's uh, mother had called, was concerned about him. He was battling some mental illness. Couldn't get him to answer the door, didn't know he was there, didn't know if he uh, had committed suicide or what was going on. Well, finally, as the officers were going around the back of the residence, he came out of the back of the residence with a replica AR-15 and pointed at the officers. And the officers ended up shooting at him and shot him in the leg and injured him on that deal. Um, we could re recreate that same scenario for the rest of the department in this virtual reality uh, room and let them see what that particular officer saw and let them make a decision on what they would do in that particular situation. Now about that firing range, there's a long hall in the building that takes people down about seven feet below ground level. This is what Reynolds refers to as the training suite, a collection of spaces and locker rooms where the never-ending push to train officers will take place. It's a luxury most departments don't have, a full-scale training facility just below its headquarters where all the divisions of the police department are consolidated. In that training suite is a large room with 
a padded floor and padded walls for officers to train to handle hand-to-hand physical confrontations. It's where they've set aside space, too, for a tactical response briefing area for officers to prepare for a response to a specific event. There's gun maintenance and cleaning areas, and there's that firing range that will relieve Fayetteville of a long-standing outdoor situation that's never been ideal, a shooting range in South Fayetteville where residential development has grown up nearby. Currently, we don't uh, utilize our firing range after 5 p.m., um, you know, Sunday through, through Saturday, seven days a week. We just don't do that in respect to the, to the public and in respect to the, the, uh, the sound uh, and the noise pollution that that causes. Um, and so if a night shift officer, uh, if he or she uh, just worked a 12-hour shift and got off at 7 a.m., currently they may have to come back in at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. in the afternoon and qualify quarterly uh, every year. Uh, this new facility, uh, just one uh, example of efficiency, it allows those officers to go out there during their shift at 3 o'clock in the morning and qualify uh, and uh, certainly uh, is a benefit to them. It saves, it saves money on overtime, uh, but it also is just more efficient uh, for um, you know, the taxpayers as well. Reynolds said he thought in the early planning stages for the new building that the firing range might end up being cut as a cost-saving measure. But that wasn't necessary in part because it became clear residents and the city council were excited by the possibility of closing the existing outdoor range. We started talking to members of the community, uh, city council members, we started talking about the range and they would light up. And the thing that was most interesting to them was the uh, decommissioning of our current outdoor range. And so with the, obviously the pollution, whether it was the noise pollution, the lead pollution, or the, uh, the, the uh, um, the safety aspect of it. Um, so you have stone bridge that's designed and built right behind um, our current facility uh, that we fire into, um, and then all the people up on Mount Sequoia that were complaining about the noise. Anyway, the bottom line is they were so excited about the range and us decommissioning that and having the ability to go to this. For us, the efficiencies are, oh my gosh, I can't even talk about it. It's uh, 50 yards, it's handgun, rifle, shotgun rated, so you can shoot 10 lanes um, and you can shoot in here at three o'clock in the morning. You can shoot in here at three o'clock in the afternoon and you're not gonna disturb anybody outside of here. As we looked around the massive firing range space, Reynolds described some of the technology it will use. Down at the end of the range, um, we have a, what's called a rubber berm system. They have two types of systems that I'm aware of on, on indoor ranges that you can put in, a metal trap system and a rubber berm system. This is newer technology. Um, the advantage of this uh, is that when you shoot a bullet down range and it goes into that, it doesn't explode. The rubber trap system grabs the bullet and it contains it inside that rubber down there. And so you have a lot less lead dust in here. And so it mitigates that. Um, you can shoot about 100,000 rounds into that system down there before it has to be mined out of it. So they'll come in here, uh, they'll take out all of the rubber, uh, they'll pull out all of the bullets, all of the lead out of there, um, and then they'll put the rubber back in here, and then we're good to go for another 100,000 rounds. Then Chief Reynolds described some of the capabilities in a booth at the opposite end of the range where firearms instructors will be in charge. 
So firearms instructors could be in here. They've got an intercom system that they could pump noise into here. They could give commands, you know, line ready, everybody ready, everybody okay. And then they turn the targets. We're working on, the targets currently just turn, but we're working on what's called a running man system where it'll run back and forth as well so you can get some motion on it uh, and increase your proficiency. Um, blue lights, so we put blue lights in here off of police cars. So you could turn all the lights off and just turn the blue lights on just to try to simulate darkness with blue lights and shoot in that environment. The only thing you can't do is put atmospheric conditions in here. Obviously, rain or snow is about the only things you can't do. There are other features of the new building Reynolds is equally proud of, not the least of which is a large room near the public entrance that can be used for training as well as community events. By the way, the largest room in the current facility is the police officer briefing room, which can hold about 24 people. Finding space for any meetings in the current facility is a challenge. The new facility features nearly a dozen collaborative and meeting spaces ranging from four seats to 32 seats, and then there's the large training room, which can seat 64 people at desks and 100 in chairs alone. I don't even know if I could talk about all the advantages of this room. You know, like I said, a community gathering, a promotion ceremony, retirement ceremony, but more importantly, a training room. It's not just a training room for the Fayetteville Police Department, a training room for Northwest Arkansas law enforcement. We currently, in my entire career, have always went to the Washington County Sheriff's Office for some type of big training event, leadership training, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, some type of, uh, you know, criminal investigations type training, forensics training. It's, you know, anytime it's a large-scale training event, it's, it's going to be held down there. Uh, we can host that here now. We can be a, a training hub uh, for, for Northwest Arkansas and state law enforcement uh, officers now. You know, I think that's important. It saves us money. It saves us money because a lot of times when you bring trainers in from the outside, whether that's through the Commission of Law Enforcement Standards and Training or C Criminal Justice Institute or outside organizations like FBI, they do LEDA, uh, leadership type of training. Um, you know, you bring in those different types of organizations, um, they give you seats at the table for free for hosting that. So it saves us money, but it also saves us money on travel and training. We're not having to pay for a hotel room. We're not having to pay per diem for the officers to go that. So there's really no reason we can't host just about everything that you can imagine uh, when it comes to law enforcement training on site here, with the exception of maybe some type of driver. We don't have a driving course. The public entrance to the new police headquarters resembles a smaller version of the large glass entrances to Fayetteville landmarks such as the Walton Arts Center and Theater Squared, and Reynolds said that was purposeful. He wants the public to feel welcome and comfortable as they enter the building for whatever interaction they may have, obtaining a police report, meeting with a detective, or coming to a community event such as a retirement ceremony. It's an impressive lobby area where the public can be directed to the right place. The department also carefully designed the double door entrance with purpose. People ask me, well, why did you do this foyer like that? Why do you have two doors that come in here? It's for after hours. Um, say you're a victim of a domestic abuse and you're running from your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, and you're trying to get up here and get away from them and you pull in here and you run in here. We didn't want that door to be locked where they couldn't get in. So they can get in here after hours uh, they can buzz our dispatch center, and if it's something critical, uh, they can buzz them in after hours to this area right here where it's secured and we can keep them safe. 
The building is also specifically designed to give sex offenders their own entrance with an elevator that takes them straight up to where they meet with the personnel involved in registering and monitoring sex offenders within the community. Why did they get their own entrance? Reynolds explained. Based upon the level of the sex offender, they are not allowed to have contact with certain people, certain people being children. And so we don't want them in the public facing area and forcing them to be in an area where they're violating the law because of the way our building is designed and this prevents that from happening. The building includes another section Reynolds had earlier worried might be cut, but that he considers vital for the future. It's a sally port where a police vehicle can pull in the building and have the garage door closed, leaving the door to the booking area as the only way out. This is our sally port. So we're not a jail, we're not a holding facility, but obviously we just went through a pandemic. We know that the jail expansion is in flux. We don't know what's gonna happen there. We know that there's overcrowding that's occurring there as well. Um, and so we get ourselves in that situation. We can bring folks in here. We can take them into a processing area, book them in for minor offenses, and, and then send them out the door and they're on their way and our officers are back in service. So that was one reason I wanted to keep this area here. Plus, it allows us a secured area to bring people. So if you have a suspect that's a worst case scenario, a homicide suspect, the detectives need to talk to them. Instead of pulling out of the front door at a current facility where all the public enters and all the public comes from, when we pull them out of the back of our car and then bring them inside, uh, we can bring them in here, close the doors down, they're secured in here for whatever reason they've slipped their cuffs or whatever, then we've got them in here and they're no harm to anybody but the officer that has to deal with them at that point in time and they can't get out of here uh, without the officer helping them out of this particular suite here. It's all secured. And on the question of efficiency, one part of the new building reflects that well. The evidence collection and storage area is right next to the squad room where the police officers come in at the end of their shifts. It's a big improvement over the current police headquarters downtown. So the officers, the patrol officers, when they come in, they, they're the ones that submit the most evidence um, that we have. They submit probably 80% of the evidentiary items that we have in evidence. In our current facility, they're upstairs. Uh, they're in the, let me get my bearings. They're in the east, northeast portion of the building. They have to take their evidence all the way down into the southwest portion downstairs. They that freight elevator, go down the stairs. So they're constantly going like this. Well. You'll see on the other side is the squad room directly across here. So it's just a lot more efficient for them when they bring stuff in, they're packaging it, put it in here, go back, do the report. They're just right there. It's, so, it's a few steps. So that's why we designed this this particular way. So the lockers um, lock on this side um, and they put them in uh, to on the other side. It automatically locks. And then when the evidence technicians come in, to work their normal schedule, they'll go through all of these lockers and empty out the evidence and process it if they're not here. If they're here, the officers can hand it directly to them and you'll see the section that they work out of from their, their desk over here. Reynolds and Deputy Chief Fields were universal in their appreciation for just having space where officers can collaborate, where detectives can visit with witnesses, or rooms where they can interrogate suspects. There's also room, finally, for everyone to store all the gear that's part of their jobs. In the current building, for example, Reynolds said officers often have to clean their handguns in whatever space they can find. In the new building, 
There's a room designed specifically for that and a place where firearms instructors can repair and maintain firearms. And they've even helped out their furry officers too, the police dogs. In the support building to the left, uh, you can see the canine run barely, um, the, the tarp for the canine run. So canines have a facility to take their dogs. Currently, they don't have that. And so let's just say a canine comes to the police department uh, in the middle of the day or is up there for you know, a couple of hours to meet on something. They have to leave their dog in the car running. And so when they have to do that here now, if they want to come work out, uh, take a shower, they have a training endeavor, something to do, they can put their dog down in the kennel. A dog has a run inside uh, and outside there, um, and also some facilities where they can also groom, wash the dog. With all the technology necessary in modern policing, the building also has a computer training room, but it's designed for more than that. And the second purpose is you'll see around the room with all the red uh, receptacles and the green lights on it is it's an EOC room, so an emergency operations center. We talked about, you know, the time where you might have some type of ice storm like we had back in 09. You could bring in all the heads of, uh, you know, government, whether the mayor, the county judge. Uh, we could also bring in the directors of the transportation, solid waste. You know, everybody could come in this room and we could game plan on what we need to do whatever event that may be. And so we could convert this quickly into an emergency operations center and all of those plugs and receptacles on, uh, on the generator. There's a lot to this new facility, and I'm sure this podcast hasn't covered it all, but we've hit the high points. I did ask Chief Reynolds if the new police campus, which also includes the city's newest fire station, lacks anything they need. Outside of one thing that we're working on, there's nothing in this whole campus that we don't have that we wanted. Um, the only thing we don't have is an on-site fueling station. And if you'll see outside, there's an area that's graveled. It's a square area out there, and that's for future growth for an on-site fueling station. Deputy Chief Fields played a key role in helping with the design of the new police headquarters, but I didn't have her mic'd up for our tour. Afterwards, I asked her for her thoughts about the building. Um, I love all of the, you know, the natural light that's brought into the facility, the, the efforts that were made for, for health and wellness and resiliency. Um, you know, I, I love the indoor-outdoor areas and, and the, the workout facility for, for our staff. Um, but I also like the expanded areas that allow us to have room for community functions. We have a large training and community room now to where when we have a Citizens Police Academy or other outreach events, we can actually host it there on site. We have sufficient parking for the public. We're right on the trail system and we have facilities there right in the lobby, restroom facilities and, you know, a water fountain. Um, there's a bus stop that will be right across the street with sufficient um, crosswalks to allow the public to access us either on the trail system um, or from the bus. And so um, I'm really excited about the improved efficiencies within our organization and also the ability to better serve the public with the new facilities. Lastly, Fayetteville's new police headquarters will open at a time when it's challenging to recruit and retain officers. Reynolds said the experience this building creates, ample space, natural light, room to function efficiently, training on-site, will continue to improve the professionalism of the department and help convince new officers that Fayetteville is a great place to work in the law enforcement field.
We have, uh, you know, a great facility with uh, that has a, a great training uh, opportunity to become uh, a hub, I think, for law enforcement training in, in not only northwest Arkansas, but the state of Arkansas as well. And that will bring officers in from all over the state, which I think that is just another uh, uh, another opportunity for us to be able to recruit, to let our facility speak for itself. Uh, when those officers come in, not necessarily saying we're trying to get officers from other police departments, but, you know, people do ask other officers, hey, uh, I respect you. Uh, if, if I could go to work somewhere today, where would you recommend? And we hope that they, uh, you know, we're at the top of that list of that recommendation. And so we think that that will be helpful for us uh, in uh, our recruitment efforts. One part of this new facility I haven't mentioned is a courtyard outside the public entrance that includes a memorial to fallen officers. And near that entrance will be a statue to Stephen Carr, the officer who was tragically slain in 2019 at the old headquarters, along with the dog he adopted after finding it on Dixon Street. As we finished up this podcast, it was just past mid-April and just days away from the agency starting its move-in process. I asked Chief Reynolds, what's next? Um, we'd like to be in the facility for about two or three weeks, a bare-bones minimum. Uh, kind of let us get in there, uh, you know, get familiar with the workflow uh, in that facility, make sure that all the security features are working well. And then at that point in time, yes, we'd love to have a ribbon cutting. A ribbon cutting is planned. Um, uh, we'll put an invitation out to our community. Of course, our mayor will be there, who has been very supportive of this project. It's been a vision of his. Um, you know, five years ago, he told us he was going to make this a priority as far as uh, the bonds that he was going to be bringing forward uh, for the for the council and for the community to support. And so. Uh, we'll be there, and, and we'll certainly have a ceremony, and, and uh, certainly uh, we'll invite the, the community to be there for that, and, and just really, really excited for that day. It's just going to be a busy time for us because uh, we're going to have a, a ribbon cutting, uh, and I'm certain that a lot of folks will be interested like you were and want to take tours, and uh, we'd love to host uh, you know, our community on tours and, and certainly be busy doing that, and then that rolls right into um, Law Enforcement Memorial. And uh, we've had to uh, um, ask another agency to host the law enforcement memorial for the last couple of years. Washington County uh, Sheriff's Office has been gracious enough to do that. And they've been a great partner of ours um, and allowed us to use their facilities for my 30-year career because we haven't had those facilities and host that memorial. And that happens in May. And we're going to be really excited and really proud to host the law enforcement memorial this year at our new facility at that outdoor courtyard that you saw today. And uh, so that's what's next for us. So that's it for this edition of the Speaking of Arkansas podcast. Be sure to subscribe and whatever podcast platform you like to receive your favorite episodes on. This has been a production of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm your host, Greg Harton, and until next time, so long, everybody.